when athletes pray before the game for a win, and they do it in both locker rooms, which team does God favor? We'll be talking about that with Matt Mosley, sports journalist, on Good God. Stay tuned. Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith in public life. I'm George Mason, the host, and I'm pleased to welcome Matt Mosley. Matt, glad to have you with us. Matt is, uh, Matt is a sports journalist and a podcast provocateur uh, and uh, <laughs> a, a sports personality in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and also a good friend and church mate. So uh, Matt, we're really glad that you've uh, been willing to join us here. And uh, I think it uh, for a lot of people who listen to you on the uh, Doomsday podcast, your uh, uh, podcast with Ed Werder and uh, dealing with uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, uh, conversations and, and whatnot, you, uh, you're, you're more of a voice than a, a figure. Occasionally people see you on, uh, on the news, on the sports, mm -hmm. but uh, for the most part they hear you. And so uh, this is a, a gift to people to see this uh, beautiful face. And, uh, this, uh, <laughs> I yeah. don't know if it's yeah. a gift. Uh -huh. I'm reminded why radio and podcasting and uh, the audio is more my thing as, uh -huh. I, as beads of sweat start to form <laughs> on my forehead. But right. uh, yeah. I will say uh, your podcasting career has started off a lot better than mine. Your <laughs> digs down here, uh -huh. your beautiful studio. We don't exactly... Yeah have that sort of backdrop, but it's okay. We're, we're slowly but surely growing. Well, uh, I, I think uh, a lot of us who listen to you, uh, though, wouldn't uh, say that. We would appreciate uh, all the things you and Ed do and how you uh, inform us about all of that. But before we get into... By the uh, way, can podcasts, we keep Ed off Twitter? Yeah, yeah, yeah if that, we can. that would be helpful. Actually, yeah. there's a lot of people we'd like to keep off Twitter, aren't there? Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, you, that's, a, that's a pretty great medium for you. You seem to uh, know how to do that in a way that uh, uh, keeps humor and doesn't polarize people too much. So uh, good job on that. Yeah. The people at the end of the sharp stick, I don't know if they agree that I'm that kind with it, but well, it is an interesting medium. And it's like, it's it's one of those things that, uh, isn't it, that, that we sort of get to the point where we feel like we need it right. to sort of keep up with news. You certainly need it in sports. Well, and then sometimes you're just like, wait, is this a is this an evil tool? Is this a helpful? And I think it can be a little bit of both, like a lot of things. Like a lot of things, uh, maybe even uh, preaching in a Baptist church, right? So, <laughs> something like that. Well, Matt, you grew up in Kaufman, Texas, and uh, we hear about that quite often. You seem to be proud of uh, uh, of having grown up in Kaufman, and I know that uh, you're, you're a Baptist by background, went to Baylor University, and you're still a Baptist, although yes. some would question that because you go to Wilson Baptist Church. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but uh, tell us about your faith experience growing up. Well, um, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, Kaufman, Texas. I am proud of where I'm from. And uh, it was uh, an amazing experience. And I was one of those kids uh, that every time the doors were open, we were up there. My mom taught the music makers choir. That would be like fourth through sixth grade. My dad was a deacon. So it was all I knew. And, you know, much like what we have in our church and the youth uh, with Darren DeMint over the years are very close to him and have that point of reference, my youth directors 
had a profound impact on on my life and a guy named mm -hmm. Daryl Anderson. Uh, he left when I was a sophomore and, and the kind of impact those sorts of people have on you. You know, I thought my life was over. Like it was wow. like, well, my, this is, you know, yeah. how do I recover from this? Right. And I still recall the next guy who followed him wasn't quite the athlete. Mm -hmm. And boy, you've come up and you've been a youth director in the, your yeah. past. You've been around youth directors. You were an athletic guy, uh, I'm told. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you uh, that was how we measured guys. And this guy yeah. was an unbelievable athlete. Right. And he was a great basketball player. Mm -hmm. And the next guy showed up. And he had uh, bright yellow pants on. Yeah. And I can remember our buddy, my buddies, we were going on a mission trip. And we're like, let's see if he can catch a football. And he couldn't. Wow. We ended up liking the guy a lot, but it was just, right. it was just an interesting, yeah. But it actually does raise <laughs> a point about the connection, especially in Texas, I think, yeah. uh, between sports and religion. It's, it's a really powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think it is. And I think you brought it up in a recent sermon talking about almost, you know, do we, we sometimes pray, okay, we're gonna pray to win. I, I was out recently and I had a great time. I heard Clayton Kershaw at, at a Dallas Baptist banquet and I was amazed at, at sort of the, uh, I mean, they were very upfront with their Christianity, which is great, but it was, it was that, hey, we're not gonna apologize for praying for wins. We mm -hmm. are, and it was just, it's just fascinating, yeah. our approach in religious life to, you know, if we, Sometimes there is that belief, well, we think we're on the right side, so we're praying right. on the right side. And yeah, there you there are people it. actually on the other team praying that way, too. So how do we sort through, uh, how does God sort through whom to favor in these prayers? It's difficult. Yeah. And, uh, I, I'm not sure we think about that often enough. So when I was growing up and in sports, I, I was guilty of the same thing. And I say guilty, look, I think it, it, it was it was the best I knew how to do at that stage of my spiritual understanding, right? I, trying yeah. to be faithful, trying to say everything about my life, including my performance, my sport, uh, should be subject to my faith. And so I would pray, but not always knowing exactly the implications of those prayers or how to pray. And uh, I, I thought of it as a, an act of faithfulness and witness but over time, you do sort of say, all right, if that's true, then, then, then what about the other guy? And what, mm -hmm. you know, what does, does God really care about winning that much? Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, it was easier in District 13-4A when I was a senior playing basketball because we literally didn't have a prayer. <laughs> so so yeah. we, uh, we won the last game of my my career my high school illustrious high school basketball career which i was mainly used to commit a lot of fouls i was a so-called stopper but only just to antagonize you, you were the hack -a shack guy huh? yeah, yeah. yeah. You, i'd get in and i got and i did take my lumps and i had people come after me and that kind of thing but we we were 0 and 13 and we won our last game against Midlothian. Okay. We took down Midlothian, well, Kaufman did. And right. that was Just a, David and Goliath right there. That was there, a right? huge moment. It was yeah. Basically, uh -huh. I wish you had used so that word. So God was on your side. Yeah, 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 certainly. Did you pray a lot before that one? <laughs> we yeah. did, yeah. we did. I mean, I, I do remember in that particular game trying to, by that time it was like, let's work on some trick shots. 
And I think I was trying to perfect late in my high school career a little bit of a hook shot. Uh-huh. And I yeah. brought that out against that Midlothian. Was, I don't remember. That's, that's the stuff of legends still in Kaufman. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's exactly right. right. Yes. Mostly hook. They still talk yeah, about it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll get back to your growing up and all of that. Yeah. But you, you broached a subject. Back now, to I my basketball career. Yeah, well, yeah. Right. Exactly. But but I, let's let's keep going because as, as a sports journalist, a, a guy who has been in the locker rooms now of, of you know, both well, from high school to college to professional people, you do hear an awful lot of religious language still going on. And how do you sort through how to honor that, how to, uh, how to relate to players uh, in, in, in this way? Because you yourself are a person of faith, but this is yeah. more complicated because sometimes they want that to be reported in ways that then uh, allow them to feel that, that they've made a witness. Right. Correct. And and I think, you know, as a journalist, you're there to get the story. And now if you're doing a feature story in their Christianity, I had to learn and go through a lot uh, early in my career about that. I mean, would, do I let someone basically almost write some sort of uh, Christian literature or something? I mean, if I if I reported everything they said, it's like some it is like a witness. And I think early in my career, I kind of thought, well, this is kind of cool because this has been my background. And then you become older and more cynical and. You hear Wait, too many. Cynical? Uh, you, that? Cynical? You, you hear too many stories of oh, because of the domestic violence, I wasn't close to God, or this or that, or right. or the crimes or whatever. And you and you you honestly, it's kind of like the you know getting to know too much about food. You get to know too much about these people, <laughs> yeah. and and then you're just kind of like okay, really. And so yeah, as a journalist, probably later on when I was covering the Cowboys and then covering the NFL for ESPN.com, I was less. You know, you just sort of, I didn't want to root about it. It's just when we kind of went that direction, almost kind of put the pen down. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. we're going to we're gonna kind of do this now. And, and I was always a little bit like, really? Like the, I mean, I grew up, what was the big Baptist, uh, you know, Baptist standard and the Baptist, you know, all these things that would come to the house and all. And... And I'd be at the Super Bowl, and I remember seeing someone with a Baptist standard, or a, or, and I'd be like, "What are they doing? What are they up to?" And, and it was, you know, they they had been sent from their different publications to cover the Super Bowl in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. And you have to watch it in any way of life, because we we sort of think, "Okay, I'm with ESPN. This is the way you're supposed to cover it. Yes. What are they doing? Why are they trying to like mm-hmm. kind of you know force this religious angle or whatever?" Right. So yeah, I, I would say I evolved on that issue, and I'm not certain I involved in the right direction on it. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, I think it's difficult to, to do, and having been in, in locker rooms and um, played college football and uh, remembering uh, how I, was, I tried to navigate that when I was young, uh, there, there, there was, I have to say, something of a kind of religious superstition about it. Uh, so, uh, yes, I was trying to be faithful, but I think I and a lot of my, my friends, we, we would feel like if, if we did certain things that were uh, pleasing to God, then we would maybe cross a threshold in our relationship with God where the return would be mm. God favoring us as well. And I don't think that we thought through that very carefully, but that is often 
what happens when, when, when somebody sticks a microphone in your face after you know, scoring a touchdown or the, winning a, a big game. And the first thing is, I just want to thank God, you know, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that sort of thing. On the one hand, you know, you, a Christian would say, well, what a beautiful thing they've used this occasion to yeah. speak about their faith. On the other hand, it's really sort of crossing uh, genres here. It's, it's kind of uh, co-opting a sporting event for a religious witness. Yeah, I think you're right, and um, it, it's you know, and I think sometimes we make judgments, basically like, wait, that player seems to sort of live it, so maybe he's more allowed to uh, say that yes. than some others who you feel like. I mean, I, I'm very uh, good friends with the guy who played at, at the school. Uh, you, where you played, and I'm talking about Michael Irvin because we used mm -hmm. to work at the same radio station. I love Michael. I mean, he's just yeah. the greatest guy, yeah. and he lives his life. I mean, he's just out there, and you never know with Michael what's going to come up, and he's right. just had all sorts of issues going back to his playing days. And, and it's funny, I look. we talk about how we look at two different people. He seems authentic to me and genuine in trying to live this certain life. Right. He's very upfront with it. Now, sometimes I, and I would say this to Michael, I'd be like, are you really the best pe person to be sharing this message right now? I mean, I, right. we know, and then again, a lot of his stuff's public. Whereas Dion, who is his good friend, um, I've just had this real antagonistic feeling toward, and maybe, you know, my longtime co-host, Randy Galloway, he'd been tough on Dion, and maybe he influenced me to a certain extent, but his whole school and everything he's done, it just Prime seems- Academy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're just, uh, to me, that there has been sort of a fraudulent bent to that direction. So I don't know, but I mean, who am I to go, because both of those guys are very upfront with their spirituality, they go yes. on these shows, they talk about it. It's, I mean, is it fair of me to go, I think that guy's really genuine, this guy's not, probably not, but it just does. Well, but at least it does. If you, if you put your faith out there in such a public way, it, it invites scrutiny, doesn't it? I yes. mean, it, 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 it invites people to ask those questions to to see whether there is a correspondence between what you say and how you live. Yeah. So uh, it, it, is, uh, it is dangerous in one sense, but it's also an opportunity to live into that faith as well. And I think with Michael, and I, I only know Michael a little bit and don't, don't know Dion, but, uh, but, but I, my sense is that there is a kind of um, um, preemptive sense about going out and speaking about your faith yeah. in the sense of saying, now that I've said this, it helps me to hold me accountable because yeah. I've said it too. I've, I've been bold about it. And so I, I think Michael has clearly tried uh, to live into that more so as he's gotten older and, and, and wrestle with that. Yeah. yeah. I sense that like when I was on the radio uh, a lot, people were dying. I never really knew this until I would get out and talk to folks that they were they were so interested, in, and you, you can't just fill this void and go, okay, well, I'm going to be the so-called Christian radio guy. You know, all you can do is be natural. And some of the things, and there might be something that happened at Wilshire, or I always joked that I thought I was the only one who could bring the fundamentalists and the moderates together right, because right. I had friends, you know, on both sides right. and everything. But I always was struck by even just tiny mentions where these little inside things where I might mention an old Christian uh, you know, contemporary music. Maybe right. I said Larnell Harris or right. you know Sandy right. Patty. Something like right. one percent of my audience sort of right. got, but boy, those people the who feedback. got it, right? And it was almost like, and they would come up and they would say, "I so appreciate 
your witness or your right. and I and I would think to myself, man, I don't I don't feel like I talk about right. my faith at all. But it is I think people are out there just like is there is there someone you know exactly like me represents, who yes. represents well uh, when we come back from the break i want i want to pursue this sense of the connection between your christian faith and vocation and what you're doing so uh, let's take a break and we'll be back YMCA of Metropolitan Dallas welcomes neighbors each day to make sure everyone, regardless of age, income, or background, has the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. The YMCA's annual campaign enables the Y to provide free or discounted memberships and programs to the people who need them the most, making our community safer, stronger, and healthier. The Y has always been a place of possibility and a promise for all. We're back with Matt Mosley. And Matt, uh, we were talking about this relationship between sports and faith. And uh, this is something that I think um, is worth pursuing. And it connects back to your upbringing and to the direction your own life chose. So uh, you, you come up as a Baptist and you end up going to a Baptist college, Baylor University, which we hear about incessantly over and over again, <laughs> uh, uh, all, all of your things, <laughs> the great Baylor. Uh, and, uh, and then, and, and surely that had an impact in all of this as well. You first think though, that you may be called to law and uh, you go to law school and uh, then that turns out not to be the, the right direction for you. Yeah, and, and so they have a way of, of letting you know. Sorting it out. Yeah, and, uh -huh, yeah. so, <laughs> so t tell us about this, uh, this sense of your spiritual perception of how the connection between your faith and your vocation developed. Well, I, I no, it's interesting. The whole law school thing was, was my dad was a lawyer. I had an uncle that was a lawyer and that just, you know, you sometimes, I mean, I think you had a calling, uh, a special calling, and my calling was just like, what happened? I didn't mean to get out of college on time. Like, <laughs> and so it's like, and I, I got out and got a job, and it was just like, this is not fun. Right. Like, I'm not ready for this. And so it really seemed like, okay, there are a lot of co-eds that are back at the Baylor campus. I'm about six months removed. I need to get back. <laughs> I need to get back on campus. And, and, you know, in retrospect, law school's probably not the best choice for sort of, oh, let's, I mean, I don't know what right, would it be. Was not much of a social life in law yeah, school. Yeah, and right? I don't know, like, Especially is, first would year. seminary have been better? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the Truett kids studied as well, not as, I don't remember yeah. them. Anyway, uh, I lived with one of them, in fact, when I was in law school. But I, you know, I, I went back to law school and there were some parts I loved about it. And part of it was, the uh, being in the courtroom and like the mock trial and that was the stuff. But then I got out and did a clerkship and realized that they're like, it'll be about 10 years before you see a courtroom. Right. And I didn't really want to be in the, you know, the DA's office. I mean, I thought about that and everything. And so I got about, and I was making uh, some B's, mm -hmm. a few C's. I was uh, kind of hanging in there, but it just, it just wasn't. Wasn't in you. No. Right. No. And I thought, I really kind of thought, maybe I was wrong. Maybe finishing the degree would have been wonderful and I could have done something else and I still could have been a sports writer and all. But I felt at that moment, if I finished, I had to practice. Yes. I just felt like, okay, right. you know, right. and, you know, I would have become a lawyer and ended up like your brother, Wayne, and <laughs> it would just have been awful. No, it's, it, uh, I, 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 I just had a sense. So, so I got about, I don't know, about three quarters in at Baylor and pulled the ripcord, 
So my wife, Meredith, who you've known since she was a little girl or high school, whatever, right. when you came to Wilshire, I mean, you talk about the rope-a-dope. I, I, she thought she was marrying a lawyer, and then it's just like, no, nah, we're going to try this. I mean, we got engaged, and I think I was in law school. Right, and it's right. like, no, I'm going to try this high school you know, sports writer thing. And yeah, so when you up. start out with the Dallas Morning News, you're covering high school girls basketball in oh, the state yeah. of Texas and volleyball and stuff like if that. that right? yeah. yeah, or yeah. ice dancing. Right. Yeah, whatever. And, and uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I remember I, I was very fortunate. The girls basketball team that I was a part of or that I was covering as a beat. And, of course, I went in there like a house of fire. And I thought it was my job to uncover everything. <laughs> and so I was on the Mansfield Lady Tigers, three straight yeah. 5A state titles. Right. Samantha Morrow, she became a college coach and, and uh, uh, remarkable lady. But I, I, I just, I would like, if the fans were rude at a tournament, I felt like I needed to write about that. Uh, I was like really yeah. already trying to, you know, uncover every scoop. And right. boy, she called the Arlington Morning News, which is where I was, and uh -huh. she said, this is not how we're used to being covered. And they're yes. like, well, we don't, yeah. we don't have much control over this What did Dave Smith guy. say about all of that? Yeah. <laughs> Dave, 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 was, Dave was the, and you know Dave, he was the executive editor of the Morning News. I went to the Morning News, and so I don't know how much of this has to do with faith, but I'll just tell you this: in 2003, uh, I got I was covering high schools, mm -hmm. and I was covering like Plano high schools, and they called me and said, "There's a missing 6'10 player at Baylor. There's this guy, and they can't oh, find him." Oh, I know where this is going. And that was 2003, and I was sent down to Waco because hey, you still know people down there. I graduated in '95, so I'm like 26, 27 years old, or uh, maybe 28, and so. I head down there and just start kind of looking around, and I was in these marijuana-filled, I know that, that you know, people don't think that happens at Baylor, but, uh, uh, you know, apartments, and I was on the trail of trying to find, I was like two days behind where this 6'10 player, Patrick Dennehy, had been. Mm -hmm. And so, next thing you know, uh, it was another young guy named Matt Stiles. They brought him down for the first four or five days of this missing... And so I, I go from covering high schools to being on every night with Anderson Cooper on CNN and, and good, you know, and I'm, I remember saying to Good Morning America, I got to work. I don't have time to come on. And I thought, how strange has right. this, I didn't have enough clothes. I went down there thinking I was going to be down there a night right. and just try to cover this thing and get back. Right. And this thing stretched. And it was one of those perfect storms where, that there wasn't a lot of news going on. It was like maybe in uh, middle of June or something or July, and it was became this huge national story. Right. And, but but speak, you brought up Dave Smith. Speaking yeah. of that, yeah. I was in a hotel room. I ran out of juice on like a flip phone. It was early in the days of the, you know, we barely had the internet and everything. And I ran up because I was doing all these calls and all this investigation on trying to find this player who ended up murdered by a teammate. Um, and I ran up like a $2,000 hotel phone bill. Wow. And I thought Dave Smith, I thought that was the end of my career right there. Right. And Dave, as he could, you know, he said, you did a good job. Don't worry about that. Well, and he, nice. yeah. And then they yeah. said, when I came back from that, I was on the Cowboys beat. Wow. So that was my, that was a tragic jump. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. So sometimes the things you think are, um, 
the likely ladders to success aren't aren't that. And and, and what you find is you you end up in, through no scheming of your own yeah. falling into something that is tragic and awful, and it actually becomes the place where uh, you launch from. Yeah, and and I think in trying to uh, even thinking about faith back then, my whole thought was, I've got to become I, you know at one week this is how Dave Smith was, and not to get too much on Dave Smith stories, but in one week one time he called me and he said, "Can you move to Austin to cover Texas?" I said, "Yeah, I think I can do that. Uh, cover the Longhorns." He said, "Wait, we've changed our mind. We want you to go cover Bobby Knight at Tech. We want you to move to Lubbock." Yeah. And, and then the third day, he said, can you cover the stars for us? Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't all over, and it was a time when we still had a lot of money, and they would send us anywhere, right. and no amount of money was, right. it was just crazy. I was, and the sports I section came, was king. I mean, in the morning always. news, sport. Yeah. so I came at sort of the tail end of that, the last of sort of the glory days mm-hmm. of the morning news. And mm-hmm. sadly, they still have some great people over there, and, and I still love reading the sports, but it's about like four pages now, and it right. used to be, right. yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I think, I, but I prayed back then, I was just like, I've got to get, and it's, it's, it gets back to this, do we pray for God's will, or do we pray for like our own, you know, we have in our mind what exactly we want. And my whole path was I got to go cover a college and then be on a uh, professional beat. And you're right. Somehow I ended up just getting thrown into this crazy story and I won some awards for it. And they just immediately said, you're on the Cowboys beat. So I, I think this is an interesting thing when we talk about vocation and how God works in our lives, you know, in terms of directing us and leading us and our understanding of that. Sometimes I think we uh, want to create uh, some sort of process whereby we can calculate how to factor in God's call and our ambition and then plot steps to create a career and say this is, this is God and, and, and me and here we are working on this together. And most of the time that's a disaster. Uh, most of the time it, it doesn't work that way. It, it, it really is this sort of paying attention to what has just happened to you and what's going on in the world and responding to it. And then the pieces sort of come together and you look back on it and you say, well, there it is. There, there yeah. was my vocation, right? Yeah. And it would be so much easier if you could just die. I mean, the constant question I get, and I'm, I'm sure you get it, even though you've been at a church for 30 years, what's next? What's next? What are you doing next? And, and I, I remember saying to people sometimes, I mean, I had been at ESPN and I had a radio show and I really thought things would go well, but there's this inherent, and maybe I, I should look at it in a positive way. I think sometimes people hopefully, you know, think highly of me and they're like, but, but every question was always, phrased with this tinge of like, when are you going to get to the next thing? And, yes. I, and I was always like, am I doing this wrong? Because right. I kind of been enjoying what I'm doing and, right. and I feel like things are going pretty well. Yes. And so anyway, I, I probably could use a little more though of the, I think I'm okay to just sort of let things happen. Right. And then lately, because the, you know, I left the radio station and things, things have changed, I started this podcast thing and and uh, I had to go raise funding for that. I've had to be a lot more intentional. Right. Yeah. Right. I and mean, you know, one of my guys I, said the other day, he said, uh, 
have you filed the tax returns for so-and-so, you know, on the, on the, this and this. And I was like, man, I hope my accountant, I called him. I was like, did we do it? He's like, yeah, we filed an extension on that. And, but I was just, I mean, you know, that's, that's right. the grown up stuff that right. when you work for people, you, they give you these W-2s or whatever, and you don't, yeah, you don't know. Don't, yeah. And now I it's don't on, think about it's that. on you. Yeah. Yeah. So how does Meredith factor into all of this? Is she happy? She's just uh, cleaning up my mess, yes, uh -huh. you know, constantly. Right. She's, no, she's just incredibly supportive. And anytime we've had like some just kind of like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? How are we going to handle this? How are we going to, she's like, we'll just find a way. And right. so, you know, from the very start, and that is so important. You've had that with Kim. Um, you know, to have a partner who literally can kind of roll with the punches when they marry someone. Now, I remember at our rehearsal dinner, uh, somebody standing up and telling Meredith, you know, you will never have a boring day in your life. You know, <laughs> but basically they're also saying a lot of crazy, you know, stuff is going to happen to you. Right. Uh, and, I, and that has been true for her, but she's just she's embraced it and you know it's just for someone like her who is uh, an organizer stays on top of things on committees huge volunteer you know we're just so different and it kind of works but i mean it's yeah i i think i'm extremely hard to be married to but we're about to celebrate 20 years so well i know. would say from my experience matt that um uh, being able to know and say that you're extremely hard to be married to is one of the keys to a successful <laughs> marriage. Uh, the, the minute you turn that around and say, "Well, I, you know, I think I'm probably uh, pretty pretty good to be yeah. married to," I'm, I'm sure that's yeah that doesn't that doesn't usually compel yeah. uh, affection. But I do I do cringe at times when you know, and you've had this happen, I'm sure, because you give all these speeches and people come up to you. Oh my gosh, those were amazing words and. Right. They, they somebody's gone up to Kim, he must be so amazing to live with or whatever. And I, and I hear sometimes people say it to Meredith because, you know, for time to time I can, you know, entertain people and make them laugh. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, is he just like this all the time? And I'm right. just like, what is she going to say? Exactly. She's always like, he's great. Uh, I, I, I love it. Yeah. But she, she would That's never... Right. Yeah, go, uh -huh. but it, it, it is. But it's a little different at home, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, well, it always is. Certainly grounded, uh, even though you have love and affection, it's yes. it's, it's normal life. So. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you for having this conversation with us. And uh, I think uh, it's it's fun to listen to you and to follow you and and uh, also to see you down there in the pew and uh, know that you're uh, cheering me on at the same time as I'm cheering you on. I am. I am. Yeah. You're an amazing pastor. And I know sometimes uh, wearing sunglasses in church would throw <laughs> some pastors off, but you seem to roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, you All bet. Right. Good. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Guest coordination and social media by Upward Strategy Group. Here's grateful appreciation to Evolve Technology for location production facilities. Evolve Technology for home audio, video, and lighting design. Enjoy more, think less with Evolve. See their great work at EvolveDallas.com. Thanks to Wendy Crispin Caterer for guest parking accommodations. Good God, Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2018 by Faith Commons. 
YMCA of Metropolitan Dallas welcomes neighbors each day to make sure everyone, regardless of age, income, or background, has the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. The YMCA's annual campaign enables the Y to provide free or discounted memberships and programs to the people who need them the most, making our community safer, stronger, and healthier. The Y has always been a place of possibility and a promise for all.